chapter twenty three of tom and some other girls by mrs george de horn this librivox recording is in the public domain good-bye to hurst manor the morning of the day dawned on which the invalids were to travel to early chase and rhoda lay awake upon her bed listening to the echo of the girls voices as they sang the morning hymn in the hall below her heart was softened with a feeling at once of thankfulness and dread thankfulness that evie's life had been spared and her friendship renewed and dread because she dimly realized this was the last of the dear school days as they had been even if she returned after the holidays which seemed doubtful it would be a changed house indeed with the older girls scattered all over the country and evie no longer at hand to soothe and lighten every trouble her thoughts went back to her first coming to hurst manor eighteen months before and dwelt sadly on her own ambitious hopes it had all seemed so easy so certain she had planned her career with such happy assurance with never a thought but that success and distinction lay waiting for her grasp and it had all ended in this that she was returning home enfeebled in health foiled in ambition with the bitter weight on her conscience that her self-will had inflicted a lifelong injury on the kindest of friends i have failed sighed rhoda humbly to herself but why i never meant to do wrong i intended only to work hard and get on surely surely there was nothing wicked in that it can't be possible to be too industrious and yet evie evidently thought something was wrong and the vicar what can it have been i i wish i wish i knew i'm tired of going my own way for it leads to nothing but misery and disappointment i should like to find out the secret of being happy and contented like other people her eyes filled with tears those blue eyes which had been so full of confidence and she clasped her fingers upon the counterpane the roll of the organ sounded through the house and the girls clear voices singing a familiar tune she listened unthinkingly until suddenly one verse struck sharply on her ear and startled her into vivid attention the trivial round the common task we'll furnish all we ought to ask room to deny ourselves a road to bring us daily nearer god she had heard those words a hundred times before had repeated them at her mother's knee had sung them in church not once but many times yet it seemed that until that moment no conception of their meaning had penetrated to her brain what was it which was all we ought to ask room to deny ourselves to put ourselves last to be careless of our own position and this path of self-denial was the road that led to god himself was this what evie had meant when she spoke of the secret which each one must find out for herself was this the explanation of the contentment which the vicar had found in his ill-paying parish room to deny oneself oh 
but this had been far far from her own ambitions she had asked for room to distinguish herself to shine among her fellows to be first and foremost praised and applauded her own advancement had been the one absorbing aim in life and to gratify it she had been willing to see others fail and to congratulate herself in the face of their distress never once in all the miseries of disappointment which she had undergone had it occurred to her that the explanation of her difficulties lay in the motive underlying her efforts the point of view from which she had started other girls had worked as hard as herself but with some definite and worthy aims such as to help their parents or to fit themselves for work in life rhoda was honest even when honesty was to her own hurt and she acknowledged it had been far otherwise in her case when she had failed in her examination it had not been deficiency in knowledge which she had deplored but the certificate the star to her name the outward and visible signs of success when she realized the hopelessness of seeing her name on the record wall loss of honour and glory had been her regret not sorrow for the thought that she had passed through school and failed to leave behind a tradition of well-doing whereby future scholars might be strengthened and encouraged rhoda hid her face in the pillow and lay still communing with her own heart how bitter they are these moments of self-revelation how mysterious is the way in which the veil seems suddenly to lift and show us the true figure instead of the mythical vision which we have cherished in our thoughts they come suddenly at the most unexpected moments roused by apparently the most trivial of causes so that the friend by our side has no idea of the crisis through which we are passing rhoda chester never forgot that last morning at school she could never hear that hymn sung without a thrill of painful remembrance when the years had passed and she had daughters of her own the sound of the familiar words would still bring a flush to her cheeks but no human friend ever knew all that it meant to her rhoda learnt her lesson none the less surely for keeping silence concerning it a few hours later the travellers were ready to depart and evie was carried down the staircase into the hall mrs chester had promised that everything that wealth could secure should be done for the comfort of her guest and royally did she keep her promise if she had been a princess of the blood evie declared she could not have had a more luxuriously comfortable journey an ambulance drove up to the door to convey the little party to the station and inside sat a surgical nurse ready to give her skilled attention to any need that might arise the girls flocked in hall and doorway to wave farewells edging to the front to cry come back soon in confident treble then retiring to the background to gulp back the tears which rose at the sight of the thin little face which told such a pathetic story of suffering not a single tear did evie see however nor any face that was not wreathed in smiles and when the strains of for she's a jolly good fellow followed the ambulance down the drive she laughed merrily and 
waved her handkerchief out of the window never suspecting with what swelling throats many of the singers joined in the strain rhoda laughed too but she did not wave her handkerchief curiously enough for it never occurred to her to think that she herself was included in that farewell demonstration or to resent the apparent indifference with which she had been allowed to depart her own special friends had embraced her warmly enough but even they had given the lion's share of attention to evie while the majority of the girls had no eyes nor attention for any one else the rhoda of six months or a year ago would have bitterly resented such a slight but to-day she found no reason to blame others for following her own example evie was the supreme consideration and the girl was so entirely absorbed in looking after her comfort that she had forgotten all about her own poor little importance love is the gentlest as well as the cleverest of schoolmasters and teaches his lessons so subtly that we are unconscious of our progress until lo the hill difficulty is overcome and we find ourselves erect on the wide breezy plain at the station a saloon carriage was waiting labelled engaged inside which were all manner of provisions for the comfort of the journey hot water bottles cushions rugs piles of papers and magazines and a hamper of dainty eatables from the chase evie was wrapped in mrs chester's sable cloak and banked up with cushions by the window so that she might look out and be amused by the sight of the christmas traffic at the various stations she stared about her with the enjoyment of a convalescent who has had more than enough of her own society and the lingerers on the platform stared back at the pretty fragile-looking invalid who was travelling in such pomp and circumstance they think i'm a princess cried evie i hope they think i'm a princess and she laid her little head against the cushions and sniffed at a big silver-mounted bottle of smelling salts with an air of languid complacency which vastly amused her companions presently nurse lighted an etna and warmed some cups of soup while one good thing after another came out of the hamper to add to the feast then followed a stoppage with the arrival of obsequious porters with fresh foot-warmers then dusk closing in over the wintry landscape the lighting of electric lamps and the refreshing cup of tea it was evie's first experience of luxurious travelling and she told herself with a sigh that it was very very comfortable much more comfortable than shivering in a draughty third-class carriage and changing three times over to wait in still more draughty stations with the arrival at early chase came more pleasant surprises for she was not carried upstairs but into a room on the ground floor which was ordinarily used as mrs chester's boudoir and had been transformed into the most cheerful and delightful of bedrooms there was really little to distinguish it from a sitting-room except the bed with its silken cover and even this was hidden behind a screen in the daytime a couch was drawn up before the fire and over it lay the daintiest pink silk dressing-gown that was ever seen with the warmest of linings inside and trimmed without with a profusion of those airy frills and laces dear to the feminine heart for me gasped evie staring at its splendour with big astonished eyes 
a glow of colour came into her cheeks as she turned it over and over to inspect its intricacies i should think i would come into dinner just with such a gown to wear she cried laughingly i am longing to put it on and see what it feels like to be a fashionable lady she would not acknowledge that she was tired but even after an hour's sleep she still looked so fragile that the two members of the household who had not seen her before were deeply impressed with the change which had taken place since their last meeting very charming did she look when the sofa was wheeled into the dining-room and she lay in her pretty pink fineries the centre of attraction and attention but the flush of excitement soon faded and the dark eyes looked pathetic in spite of their smiles rhoda watched the faces of father and mother and her heart sank as she saw the elder man knit his brow and the younger look away quickly and bite his lip under his moustache as if the sight were too painful to be endured beyond a few loving words at greeting neither had manifested any concern about herself and once again she had not noticed the omission i've had such a happy day i feel like a princess such a spoiled princess said evie when she went to bed that night but there were sad days in store for the poor little princess from which all the care and love of her friends could not save her when the decree went forth that she could make her first attempt to walk rhoda clapped her hands with joy and could not understand the reason of the quick grave glance which the nurse cast upon her she and her mother had decided that the attempt must be made in the drawing-room after tea and nurse made no objection hoping perhaps that the presence of onlookers would give her patient extra strength for the ordeal she knew what it meant if the others did not but alas they all learned soon enough as at the first slight movement evie's white face turned grey and she groaned in mingled anguish and dismay i can't she cried oh i can't it's like knives going through me i can't move oh but you must my dear it has to be done and the braver you are the sooner it will be over you are bound to suffer the first few times but it would be ten times worse to allow the joint to stiffen now be brave and try to take just two steps with me i will support you on one side and nurse looked round questioningly mr harold will take the other you can lean all your weight on us we won't let you fall harold stepped forward without a word and put his strong arm under hers and as he did so evie raised her eyes to his with a look which those who saw it never forgot a look such as might have been given by an animal caught in a snare from which it was powerless to escape rhoda told herself savagely that harold was a brute to persist in the face of that dumb appeal but he did not quail even when the sob rose to a cry and a trembling plea for mercy the two steps were taken and henceforth for weeks to come the nightmare of repeated effort weighed upon the spirits of the household at eleven o'clock after tea after dinner three times a day was the inexorable program repeated in spite of prayers and protestations 
mrs chester's theory was that it was brutal to torture the child and that if she were to be lame for pity's sake let her be lame in peace rhoda suffered agonies of remorse and passionate revolts against the mystery of pain but the nurse and her assistant never showed a sign of wavering as a rule evie made a gallant attempt to control her sufferings but there were occasions when even her fortitude gave was as on one afternoon when after taking a certain number of steps she was informed that still more must be attempted she was powerless in the hands that held her but when she collapsed into helpless sobbings on the sofa rhoda turned on her brother with furious indignation you are a brute harold you have no heart how dare you do it how dare you make her suffer so he did not answer but turned his head aside and stared steadily out of the window rhoda glared at him with smarting eyes and suddenly saw something which put a check on her excitement harold's profile was turned toward her and the light showed great drops of moisture standing upon the brow and rolling slowly down the cheek she realized with a pang that once again she had been too quick in her judgment in spite of his firmness harold had suffered more than she more than her mother ay perhaps more than evie herself End of chapter twenty three